We're going to read some scripture that's found in the book of St. Mark, St. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. Tells the story of Jesus and the disciples. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so afraid? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Make the 
It was late October 1991. A New England fishing boat by the name of Andre Gale had sailed 500 miles out into the Atlantic. But the weather was changing rapidly. A cold front moving along the U.S.-Canada border sent a strong disturbance to the New England, while at the same time a large high-pressure system was building over the maritime province of southeastern Canada. This intensified the incoming low-pressure system, producing waves 10 stories high and winds 120 miles an hour. The storm whipped the sea to inconceivable levels few people on earth have ever witnessed, few except the six-man crew of the Andre Gale headed towards its hellish center. Ferocious winds and huge waves reduced the boat to matchwood. Only light debris was ever found. This was called the perfect storm. There's not a one of us here this morning that has not at one time faced that perfect storm. Whether the waves, the wind, or whatever, all of us. Some of us today may be going through a, uh, a storm now. Uh, it changes us. If we're not careful, if we don't understand, if we don't know the principles of the trials and the tests and the things that God allows, it changes us. It reminds me of little Chippy. Little Chippy was a parakeet. And in the cage, it, it liked to sing. In fact, much of the day, Chippy spent a lot of time singing. One day, the housewife, she was cleaning the house and she was vacuuming, and so she wanted to clean out the cage. And so she opened the door of the cage, took off the, the attachment, and stuck the hose into the cage to clean out the bottom of the cage. At that time, the phone rung, and she reached to get the phone. And Chippy was sucked in. She quickly cut off the vacuum cleaner. She opened it up and opened up the bag. And in all the dust and debris, there lay Chippy alive. She took and jerked up the parakeet and rushed to the bathroom. And the best thing she knew to do to get all the dust and the dirt and all off Chippy was to stick it under the fountain, the water fountain. And so she ran water and ran water and ran water. And finally Chippy was clean. But Chippy was so drenched with water and her feathers were matted up. And so she ran and she got the hairdryer. And she spent a lot of time drying Chippy. And after she had dried Chippy, she stuck the parakeet back into the cage there's a reporter that reported this. And so one day he wanted to find out how Chippy was doing. And so he visited the housewife and said, how is Chippy doing? She says, he don't say much. He just sits and stares. Some of us don't sing maybe like we used to. We just sort of go through the day. It's hum hum and because it's the trial, the test, the storm has been traumatic. And today we don't know what to do, but God gives us a direction, gives us insight into what we can do. 
when we go through the storm. I am starting a five-week series on weathering the storm. And I want to look at five different people. First of all, I'd like to look today at Jesus and the disciples as they go through the storms, learn what happened, learn how they dealt with the storm. I also want to look at the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. He went through a major, tremendous storm, powerful, powerful truths and principles that we find in that. And then we'll look at Jonah. Jonah was in a storm so severe he had to be thrown overboard in order to, for the boat to survive. And then we'll look at Job. Now, Job was never in a natural storm, I guess, but he speaks in writing the book of Job how that the storms, the waves, the, the wind beat against him. I want to find out what Job did and how he reacted to his storm. And then last, certainly not least, I want to look at Noah. The Bible speaks of the great, 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 great flood that covered the whole earth and what happened in Noah's time and how he dealt with that. But today we want to look at the disciples in the storm. And if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline. Lift your hand. The first thing I want to do is, is, is ask, what is a storm? You say, Pastor, what are you talking about a storm? Well, I'm going to mention a few. You can add some yourself. Maybe it is a sudden death. Maybe an illness. Some have gone through tremendous illnesses and such a storm. Perhaps it was an accident that happened or the loss of a job or rejection by someone. Maybe it was a betrayal by someone that you loved and you thought loved you, a separation, a divorce. Maybe you were overcome by despair or maybe simply you're just going through a time that you have the feeling of hopelessness. But whatever your storm, notice the introduction. The crises of life have often been compared to stormy seas. There are times life seems like a relentless voyage from one storm to the next. The text is a reminder, as we have read today, of Jesus saving presence in the presence of storms that seek to overwhelm not only others, but a believer's life. And some of the principles that we have here, and I, I, I want you to look at, and some questions that we'll be asking and answering over the next five weeks is, of course, what is a storm? What is the cause of the storm that you and I face? What causes that? Why the trouble? Why is the wind beating or blowing so and the waves beating so against my life's ship? What causes the storm to cease? That's an interesting, interesting uh, principle there that we'll look at. Why did the storm Cease. And then what lessons are you and I to learn biblically of the storms of life? First of all, we notice that the storm often comes in the path of obedience. Jesus told those disciples, get into the boat and let's go to the other side. They were not out of the will of God. They were not disobeying God. 
And often when believers and Christians go through a storm, the devil will tell you, well, it's something you've done. You shouldn't have done so and so. You've blown it here. But these disciples not only were not disobeying God, they were obeying the Lord and Jesus was with them. This journey was undertaken at the Lord's command of the believer, and this is important, is not exempt from life's storms. It rains on the just and the unjust. In fact, I'm persuaded to believe that the storm of obedience is more severe at times than the storm of disobedience because Satan wants to throw you off track and cause you to focus on something else. Number two, the storm makes it often appear that Jesus doesn't care. Jesus did two things in this boat. By the way, this is recorded in Matthew It is recorded, of course, here in Mark that we read. And it's also recorded in Luke. The same storm. There was another storm, of course, and most Bible scholars and most of us understand that storm where the disciples were by themselves and Jesus came to them walking on the water. But this particular one is recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke. And we notice here that the storm makes it appear that Jesus doesn't care because in one place, as I said, Jesus did two things. He laid down and he slept. He got up and he rebuked. I like that. Well, the disciples saw Jesus. He had gotten him a pillow. He'd gone to the stern of the boat and he lay down and he was asleep. I mean, the, the boat was rocked and shifted back and forth. The wind was howling. The waves were high. And yet Jesus Christ was asleep. You see, Jesus looks at storms different than what you and I look at storms. Understand that. And when you're facing a crisis, when you're going through a storm, understand this. Jesus sees that storm differently than what you see that storm. But something that happens when we go through a crisis, the loss of a five-year-old boy with cancer, We may look and blame God. And we ask and listen. All of us at times we have doubt. I'm not saying we have unbelief. I think there's a difference in doubt and unbelief. We doubt. We struggle. We wonder why. Why God did you let this come on me? Why did the doctor have to tell me those bad words? Why did she leave? Why did he do what he did? Why am I feeling the way I feel? I feel like a, a, a box of, of, of cereal that's so dry. I just, the Spirit of God, I haven't sensed the Spirit in the presence of God in a long time. Why the hopeless feeling? Why do I lie down at night and I feel the way that I feel? Why, why, why? And they asked Jesus, don't you care that we perish? And often Satan, the devil, which has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. He is out to tell you that Jesus does not care. If he cared for you, you would not have to be going through what you're going through. Don't you care that we perish? We wonder whether he cares, whether he even can do anything about it. You see, these were, these were sailors. They were trained, they were seasoned seamen. They knew how to handle a boat. 
They knew what to do. But here, this storm had come upon them all of a sudden. My wife and I, one of the most serene times of our marriage and our lives was out on the Sea of Galilee. Early one morning, two boats, hundreds of people, and we were there. And you could look across the water, and it was just like glass. It looked like you could get out and walk on that water. And it was so serene and so quiet. But for the Sea of Galilee, that's, uh, that's 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. For that sea, storms come suddenly. Let me tell you why. Such storms result from differences in temperatures between the seacoast and the mountain beyond. The Sea of Galilee lies 680 feet below sea level. It is bounded by hills, especially on the east side where they reach 2,000 feet. These heights are a source of cool, dry air. In contrast, directly around the sea, the climate is semi-tropical with warm moist air. The large difference in height between surrounding land and the sea cause large temperature pressure changes. This results in strong winds dropping to the sea, funneling through the hills. The Sea of Galilee is small, and these winds may descend directly to the center of the lake with violent results. When the contrast in air masses meet, a storm can arise quickly and without warning. And this says small boats caught out on the sea are in immediate danger. You ever felt like things were going so well? The marriage is doing good. The children's all doing fine. And, and, and God is blessing and everything's going well. And all of a sudden... There's a word. All of a sudden, something's happened. All of a sudden, the marriage is in, it, it's in turmoil and it was going so well and so peaceful and we laughed and talked and ate and then all of a sudden, tension. The storm sweeps in. We go through this storm, whether it's sickness, whether it's oppression, whatever the trial might be, whether it's the loss of a job. And we say, God, don't you care? Besides, the devil will tell you, even if he did care, he could do nothing about it. But he can, can you see, man? He does care, amen? And we know he cares. The storm reveals the real enemy. It exposed their weakness, fear, and lack of faith. Faithlessness is to be feared more than the storm. Let me say that again. The lack of faith, no faith, is to be feared more than even the storm itself. And so the storm revealed something in those disciples' lives. Jesus said, where is your faith? That's in one of the, the writings. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Let me ask you something. When the storm comes, you know, they could have said, well... Our faith is in our experience. We can make it. But they couldn't. They could have said, our, our boat, our boat, we know our boat, and it can ride out any storm. And their faith may have been in the storm. Oh, we got a strong, 
anchor. And my faith, our faith is in this anchor and it will hold. Where is your faith? When the storm comes, when, when trouble comes, is it in the doctor? Is it in the bank? Is it in someone else? Where is your faith? Jesus said, where is your faith? The important thing in the storm is to trust God and depend upon his promises. Where's your faith? So this storm reveals the real enemy. Ralph Emerson said this, The wise man in the storm prays to God, not for safety from danger, but for deliverance from fear. It is the storm within that endangers him, not the storm without. And you know, our faith may be in circumstances. Well, if, if, if everything's going well, if I'm healthy, my job's doing well, and my family's doing well, that's circumstances. But when circumstances become abrasive to our lifestyle, then our faith goes. But our faith should not be in just circumstances. It should not be in someone else. Our faith should be in trusting Jesus Christ no matter the circumstances. No matter the circumstances. Notice number four, the storm drives us to Jesus. These disciples, they said to themselves, we're going to the one that we believe can help us. And so they woke him up and Jesus stood up. I like that. He laid down, then he stood up. I'm glad when Jesus stands up. How many of you know we need Jesus to stand up in our lives? We need him to be present. Notice what he did. I love this. First of all, he rebuked the wind. He went to the source. You see, a lot of times when we go through storms and we're having problems, we deal with the surface. We want God to touch us and deliver us and to set us free, but so often we never go to the source. We make excuses. We have alibis. We overlook them. But what Jesus did, he didn't get up and say, hey, Peter, you guys, you're the fisherman. I'm the preacher. Come on, handle this thing. He didn't get up and fold his arms and look around and say, wow, this is a bad storm. And you know, a lot of times we go through storms and we, we have problems and we talk to everybody and say, boy, we sure are going through a bad storm. Boy, I'll tell you, the devil's been on my back all week long. I'll tell you, you know, we don't need to look at the circus. He didn't do that. He didn't get up and look around and say, wow, I don't believe I've ever seen the wind this, this like this before. He didn't discuss it with Peter and the other, other apostles. He went and he spoke to the source. And a lot of times when we go through a storm, there's something going on other than what you can see with your natural eyes. Speak to the source. He's, he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the waves. And he said, be quiet. Now, that's the original translation. He said, peace be still. But the original translation, it says, be quiet. 
You know, I got a feeling, and if you read this with the original, he's not just speaking to the water. He's not just speaking to the wind. He's speaking to something deeper. He's speaking to the enemy, the devil, the cause of the waves. So he went to the waves, but he went deeper than the waves. He's speaking to the source, the enemy, Satan, is the source of your problems. The devil has caused a storm in your life. You say, well, this is just a natural, you know, the wind comes down, blows down from the, as I read to you, from the, uh, the steep cliffs, 2,000 feet, and then the wind, uh, that's cool, hits the, the warm, and that's what causes all of that. But let me tell you one thing. You can look at this and that and the other. So this is the reason, that's the reason, this is the, and there may be, there may be circumstances for instance, when we go through sickness, there are times maybe we've been disobedient with our diet. There are times when uh, we have allowed because of our lifestyle for certain sicknesses to come upon us. But I don't care if it's your lifestyle. I don't care what it is. The devil is a source of sickness. Wow, that's a big place to say amen. The devil is a source and we need to speak to the enemy. It's time that the church stood up and said, devil, you're a liar. You're not going to have my children. You're not going to afflict this church. You're not going to afflict my body. You're not going to do this. And in Jesus' name, I speak to you. And I stand on the promises of God. Jesus spoke to the source. He went directly to the source. They, number five, the storm always reveals something new about Jesus. It said they were afraid of the, of the, wind, of, 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 of the waves that, and the water that was coming into the boat. They were so afraid. In fact, uh, it, it, it used, they, they believed they were going to die. These, these men believed that they were going to die. And there was, there was no ifs and ands and buts about it. But, but Jesus calmed their fears. And then when, he, when, the, when the, the, the sea was calm, Sister Carol, somehow I, I, I have a feeling that when that calm took place, it was similar to what you and I saw that morning, that Sunday morning on that sea. It was so calm. After all the turmoil, after all that happened, and when they saw that, when the waves and the sea and nature obeyed Jesus Christ, the Bible says they were exceedingly afraid. Now, this fear is different from the other fear. They were afraid of losing their life. They were afraid of dying. But this fear, this was a reverential fear. This was a respect. For Jesus Christ. Not a one of us here today, when we go through storms, if we keep our faith in God, if we do not allow Satan to get us off track, will not see Jesus in a different light. When you go through a terminal illness and you come out on the other side, 
you see Jesus in a different light. When something comes against you, strikes against you, and you're victorious over that, you see Jesus Christ in a different light. And they saw him in a different light. This fear is a deep reverential awe in the presence of a supernatural God. Now, you don't find Jesus said, I rebuke that fear in you. No, he didn't because that was a fear or a a respect. It was not the fear of terror, but it was the fear of trust. Now they could believe God. Now they trusted in Jesus Christ. I'm going to deal more with this. I'm going to go through it quickly because I'm going to deal more with it over the weeks. Number number six, the cause of the storms. Look Look what I have. Look at it. Sometimes we cause the storm we are in. Sometimes others cause the storm we are in. Sometimes Satan causes the storm we are in. And sometimes God, capital G there, causes the storm we are in. What causes this storm? It's important to know who, why the storm is. Number seven, what are God's purposes in the storms? Now, Again, I'll deal with this more. This, listen, I, I can't linger here long enough, and I won't today. Because remember earlier I said that Jesus sees the storm different than we see the storm. There's a purpose in the storm. There was a purpose in the storm of the Apostle Paul. There was a purpose in the storm that Jonah experienced there was a purpose even though sometimes it may be hard to see in the storm that Job experienced and there was a purpose in Noah's storm when all the water began to gush up out of the deep and the whole earth was was covered over there was a purpose and God has a purpose for the storm or the storms that you and I are facing. There's a purpose. Number one, to get our attention. Sometimes we just get cold and indifferent. And we need God to say, all right now, let's wake up. Boom, boom, pow. You know, we're asleep. We're not conscious of the unsaved. We're not conscious of the things of the kingdom of God. We're focusing too much on the carnal And the natural, and God says, okay, I'm going to get your attention. He said, wow, God, you tried to get my attention. Time out, you got it. Yay, Lord, what you want me to do? Number two, purify us from sins. You see, maybe there are areas in our lives that God needs us to focus on. And we don't see it. Maybe other people see it, but we don't see it. You know, there are hidden sins in our lives, and, and God wants us to see those sins, and he wants us to grow and to mature, and so he allows things to happen to us that we will look and say, hey, boy, this is, it's, it's ugly. I didn't realize how ugly this was, and I didn't realize what I was saying, and I didn't realize what I was doing, and God reveals it to us through the storm. Number three, causes us to surrender to the Lord. You see, God... He always wants to bless us. Listen to me. He always wants us to be blessed. He, he's always wanting to give us something. P. 
People say, well, that church, all they want is money, and they ask for money here and money there. Let me tell you this. God wants to give us something more than he wants us to give to him. But maybe we're holding on too hard to something that we need to let go. You know, when they threw Jonah over, he surrendered. (laughs) He told those sailors, he said, just throw me overboard. You talk about surrender. Maybe God wants you to surrender. Maybe there's something you're holding on, grasping on to, that's destroying you, that's hurting you, that's not edifying in your life. And God says, hey, let's give it up. And here comes a storm. You say, wow. Here you go. You're going to have I love this. Number four, conform us to his image. Through adversity, the Lord refines our character and makes us Christ-like. We have, this, we have this natural carnal way of just continuing to drift away from the very image of God. But God is speaking and all of a sudden the storms come. And, 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 and boy, we start praying and seeking the face of God and crying out to him. And, oh, God, you know, we hadn't cried out like that in a long time. But we're crying out now. I'm calling on God now. And I'm serious. Hey, God, I'm serious. And God understands that. And we become more and more like him. And he is creating us to the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. And I'll close. We re- to reveal God to us. Why did God allow that storm? Maybe he wants to re- reveal God in a different way. You know, when uh, the other storm, when the disciples was in the boat and Jesus was up on the mountain praying, and then he came to them walking on the water, what was their first opinion of who that was? What did they think? Who did they think it was? Or what did they think it was? It was a ghost. <laughs> you ever see a ghost in your storm? They certainly didn't see Jesus as he was, did they? They said, oh my God, here comes a ghost because nothing can walk on water like that. It's got to be a ghost. Not a friendly ghost like Casper either. It was a mean, and they thought, yeah, he's coming to, he's coming to get me. And Jesus said, hey guys, don't be afraid. How do you see the Lord in your storm? How do you see the Lord now before the storm? Is God or the Lord someone you can just put on the shelf after Sunday morning and go through the week and do your thing? Is Jesus someone that you can come to and in need and other times, hey, I've got too much to do. I had one person say, I got a lot to do and a short time to do it in. A lot of places to go. Maybe you'd like to say this morning, Father, I've been too busy. I need to see Jesus in a different light. I want you to look at the bottom of that page. Our view of God is important because how we view God will determine how we view ourselves. That is a striking statement. 
how I view God today, in essence, is going to be how I view myself. Because if I view God as is all in all, creator of all things. If I view God like the disciples saw that he was, you see, that storm was not in control. Those waves were not in control. That wind was not in control. Jesus Christ was in control. Maybe that don't mean a whole lot till you get down to where maybe some of us have been, maybe all of us. But when you're lying flat of your back and they're going to do whatever to your body and you don't know what in the world is going to be the outcome. In fact, maybe you're like I was. When they went into my heart, I, I bottomed out. Maybe you've bottomed out once in a while. They lost me. And I could still hear them. And there was about, I think it seemed like 20, but eight or ten people in that room and they went rushing around and pushing buttons and giving me more whatever they had to give me. And You see, when, when you go through those times, and, and, and all of us, you've been there. Maybe not that way, but you've been there. How do you see Jesus? God's able. My God's able. I, I believe I can say this without reservation. I believe I can say this without reservation. They thought I was going to die. It looked like I was going to die. I don't believe I had one smithereen of fear. Because in the storm you can have peace. Maybe your whole life is nothing but just a storm right after the other. One storm and the other storm. One storm. That's not God's will. It's God's will for us to face trouble, temptation. But it's not God's will for us to be in continual turmoil. And our lives in this rat race of a time. I want you to let God speak peace to your heart today. Because it's not the pastor. Listen. I found out I can go away. You folks can handle this thing by yourself. And that's a good feeling. It's because we got great leaders in this church and great members. It's not the pastor. It's not even your husband or wife. And surely people can help and they can be a blessing and they can be instruments. But it's God. 